I'm jet-lagged, you guys. A little bit. I just got back from a week in L.A. where my four siblings, who all live in L.A. Yeah, I'm the only one who left, yes. I come from a family of five. Four girls. I'm the fourth daughter. And then my baby brother, Brookie, whom we call the Messiah. Where we all finally got together for my mom's unveiling. So in the Jewish tradition, a year after somebody dies... You unveil their headstone at their gravesite. It's not, you know, it's like a ceremonial marking of a signpost along the journey of losing someone. Okay, so this is not meant to be morose at all. Weather was great. We were all there at Mount Sinai Forest Lawn in the Hollywood Hills, which, by the way, is the cemetery to the stars. Lucille Ball, Walt Disney, Elizabeth Taylor, Clark Gable, Michael Jackson. Then, of course, there's the Jewish side. Comedians Bob Saget, Sid Caesar's there, singer Cass Elliott of Mommy Cass from the Mamas and the Papas. All the, all the yeah. directors, Irwin Allen, Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno. Anyway, now, of course, the new celebrities, Mo and June Clayman. By the way, my mom was an actress. She played Shannon Doherty's grandmother on 90210. It's my brush with fame oh moment. God. Okay, so anyway, I'm yeah. flying home, and I'm having a moment thinking about, and don't get mad at me for bringing this up, you guys, plane crashes. First of all, let me just get this out of the way. U.S. air travel is amazingly safe. I don't want to hear about worries, right? MIT statistician Arnold Barnett says, you would on average need to fly every day for 55,000 years before being involved in a fatal crash, you're, you're actually way more likely to die by electrocution or poisoning. But if you are in one, like my guest today was, if you survive, you'll probably sustain some pretty serious injuries like my guest did. He was only in his second year of his career as a pro wrestler when an overloaded Cessna he was in with four other wrestlers ran out of fuel mid-flight and crashed. Incredibly, he survived, but with a back broken in three different places. I mean, so much for that career, right? Oh, but you don't know Ric Flair, who decided right then and there that the body achieves what the mind believes. He believed he would fight to recover and then recover to fight, which he did for the next six decades. Ladies and gentlemen, fans of the indomitable human spirit, welcome to a story that dives deep into the life and journey of a man who epitomizes resilience, charisma, and the unyielding pursuit of excellence. I am joined by legendary pro wrestler, the nature boy himself, Rick Flair. Rick, great to have you on. Oh, thank you. Great to be on. A message to my listeners, by the way, who are not pro wrestling fans, do not think for one second, oh, I can't learn anything from this guy. Oh, he, he is a master class in fighting back and turning, you know, stumbling blocks into stepping stones. So, Rick, it's great to have you. Um, Thank you. For people who don't know you, you're a son of Memphis, Tennessee. What, born in 1949? Yep, adopted. Adopted. But did you know if you were a big baby? <laughs> Were you born no, huge? I, I have no idea. You know, I remember, I don't know the other story. I was stolen from an orphanage. What? Yeah, I was stolen. From, um, um, there was an orphanage back then. I can't think of the name of it. And I was stolen from an orphanage. And then uh, I was like a black market baby. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, my real name is Fred Phillips, I guess. Well, who stole you? Yeah. Uh, I, I, we, I, I don't know enough about it. I mean, yeah, my life's had some twists and turns, but that um, that part of it, people make a lot bigger out of make a bigger part of 
out of it than I do. Because I never cared to know who my real parents were. Because you uh, loved my, your adopted parents. Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, they were great. I didn't even know I was adopted until they told me one day. And I said, what does that mean? And they said, well, it means we're, you were adopted. We, and I didn't. I said, you don't have to say anymore. I probably, then, then for a while, we celebrated my birthday, which is February 25th, and my adoption day, which is March, March 18th. Oh. We, we celebrate the 18th. Oh, how lucky are you? Those, to those were the two days my dad took me to the wrestling matches. <laughs> well, okay. Is that how it all began? I mean, talk about the genesis of your interest in wrestling because... Uh, I just loved it as a, as a kid watching on Saturday afternoon, AWA Wrestling, Vern Gagne, The Crusher, The Bruiser. I mean, all guys who I got to know when I got started the business, but all of them, obviously, at the end of their careers. But gosh, what a fabulous! Yeah, just I, I thought it was so entertaining, and, and it was. I mean, it it still is. <laughs> a lot of people though think it's entertaining, but they still look like beanpoles. They're not going to become wrestlers. I mean, at what yeah. point did it crystallize in your mind? I'm going to be a wrestler one day. Uh, it crystallized in my mind when I um, left summer school and was on, which meant I couldn't play football in my sophomore year. <laughs> 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 I came back and somebody said, you want to go into professional wrestling? And I said, yeah, hell yeah. And the rest is history. And I got an opportunity to start out with the great Vern Gagne, who, who's passed away years ago. And um, I trained, um, uh, you know, as everybody knows, outdoors at a farm. The first day we ran two miles. 500 free squats, 250 push-ups. Wait a minute. Could you do 250 push-ups? Oh, no. Listen, listen to the story. So my, when I heard I was going to be a wrestler, I, I like really bulked up like 310 pounds. And I hadn't run a mile since my freshman year in college when you had to, to play football, right? Right. So, no, and I only weighed 235 then. So, no, it took me seven hours. Yes, I did it, but it took me seven hours. <laughs> I quit. I quit. I went home and said, I could never do this again again tomorrow. And he came over and got me out of the house, threw me out of the front yard of my double bungalow house, slapped me and told me I wasn't quitting on him. Oh, I like it. I like it. See, sometimes oh, yeah. that comes from within. And then other times it comes from somebody saying, get your tail back out there. Yeah, exactly. You quit everything you've done. You've been, a, you know, you've just let people down left and right. You're not letting me down. Thank God he did it, right? Okay, so you worked up to 250 push-ups. How'd you do that? Oh, I got where I, I actually I got where I could do um, almost 120, well maybe, maybe 122 uh, at a setting once at one time. You just it just practice. It's repetition, and at my age, it's just muscle memory. I could do it again. If someone would make me a bet worthwhile, <laughs> I can do I can do just about anything I ever did before. But it it's I gotta have so I gotta have something on the line to do it. Well, this like, is interesting like because today, let me jump in because this is interesting because mm-hmm. some people say I can't even do two push-ups. I worked mm-hmm. up to about fifty in one sitting, one whatever That's it is. But men's men's by the way. Uh yeah. I, but there are people who put it in their minds that they can't. Do you believe that anyone can do a lot of push-ups 
if they just try no matter how weak their upper body is? No, I don't believe everybody can, but I believe that <clears throat> if they have the physical makeup and as like you've said, mentioned several times, the mental, the real mental grit to go out and do that, yeah, it can be done. Um, but it just, some people just aren't, aren't physically, they don't think like that. They're not, they're never going to. And, uh, you know, they're not always being judged because you can't do pushups. But for me, I was a big, I had to, in the old days when I traveled, there wasn't all these luxury gyms in there. And I just, in my hotel room, when I'm traveling by myself with the world champion in the middle of nowhere sometimes, I just did push-ups, free squats, and step-ups, you know, where you step up on a chair and down back and forth, you know. Mm -hmm. I Which... would do that 500 times. I mean, and and I'm now I'm turning 75, and I'm watching Pete Carroll today. You probably saw that. Yeah. Throwing football, right? So, yeah. Yeah. How I'm about that? Something. I'm going to do something tomorrow. I'm not going to tell you about right now, but you, <laughs> I'm going to do something tomorrow. I'm going to call out Pete Carroll that, he, that I know he can't do. And I'm three years, old, three years older than him. <laughs> this is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I, I can't wait to see and I can't wait to hear about that. When you started this this odyssey... You're working out, you're starting to perform, and what was your very first match like? Were you nervous? George could ask you. I knew nobody said nobody told me anything. They just said go out and wrestle ten minutes. And I said, What what do you mean? Do what? Just wrestle ten minutes. I said, no, could we, we they, they never taught they never taught me how to be a professional wrestler. Mm -hmm. We just we just got in shape. And they taught us how to be men. It was like becoming an Eagle Scout. And then walking across <laughs> the lake without the eagles, without the salt. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. I had to go out there and for 10 minutes, just hyperventilated, and, uh, but I made it. And then next time was 20 minutes. And then, hell, I spent half my life doing hour Broadways. An hour Broadway means an hour-long match. Ah. For, for eight years, I did over 330 of those a year. Uh, see, now I want to talk about the longevity aspect in a minute, but two years in, you're starting to cook. You're doing really well, and the plane crash happens. You know, not many people can say they survived a plane crash. Oh, how how did that happen? How did it change your world from that moment on? Uh, oh, it's hard to explain. I mean, it was just, I was devastated, but I was lucky enough to be working for a promotion that would, would like pay me a thousand a week 
you know, hoping I could come back. And mm-hmm. um, and I just went to work on uh, on conditioning and getting myself back. And the doctor went from saying never to maybe to yeah, you can do it. He, he said you're, you're you're healing like like something I've never witnessed before. And uh, you know, back then the medicine wasn't as sophisticated as it is now. But um, I didn't have to have surgery, but I had you know, I had to wear a back brace, and I went from two hundred and fifty five pounds to one hundred two hundred fifty five pounds to one hundred and eighty. So then I came oh back six months later at a body weight of two eighteen and had my first match again. But it was like starting all over again because I couldn't get myself to land on my back flat. I just couldn't Psychologically, you were terrified. You had broken your back in three different places. I just couldn't get myself to run in the turnbuckle. It just was embarrassing. And then the promoter, who ultimately just said, well, here's the deal. You're going to wrestle an hour every night with guys. You can't wrestle an hour or just make yourself miserable until you take a backdrop, which is a thing we do where the guy throws us in and sure. flips us up over his head. We call that a backdrop <laughs> and you land on your back. I know it well. Yeah. yeah. So after, after about a week of that, and finally one day in Farmville, Virginia, from about 200 people, 30 minutes in, I said, screw this. I just <laughs> I got nothing to lose. I keep doing this. And uh, I took the backdrop and that was it. It's hard to fight through fear, isn't it? Oh, boy. I'm telling you. Let's, yeah, exactly. let's back up because a lot of people don't know exactly what happened in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, after the plane crash, as you continue your career, I mean, you become a massive star. To be a true star, no matter the field, one needs charisma. Was that something that you grew? Are you, were you born with it? Did you uh, dig just, for I, it? Did you it, mine it? it? it, it, it it's a gift God gave me. I swear. People that people today will walk to me and said, "Who wrote down? Who wrote down all that stuff?" For us? Said, nobody, man. It was right after a night out in Buckhead and two cups of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of throw. I don't know. If, I don't know if you know Buckhead in the old days, but Buckhead was fun. <laughs> so you throw darts at a wall and you see see what works for the audience and what gets them jazzed up. Exactly, yeah. And everybody hates a bad guy. Everybody hates everybody hates the truth. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he's cracking himself up, everybody. I, I do because I mean to this day, I mean that line I said about Rolex wearing and that yeah. I hear that if I'm at a, an event where I'm signing autographs on I hear that same line. Say it one time or say it for me. At, people ask me to, to record it on their phone. <laughs> Limousine riding, private jet flying, kissing. <laughs> I laugh because that's just something I, I thought of one morning at nine o'clock, literally after about four cups of coffee and no sleep from being out in Bucket because we filmed in Atlanta. <laughs> I want to talk about the wrestling schedule. Mm-hmm. It's known to be brutal. At your busiest, what did, say, uh, a month look like for you? Every day. I had, I had four years of never having a day off. Four yeah, years? Twice on Saturday and twice on Sunday. What kind of pressure does that put on you, whether it's by the promoters or you yourself to to recover Actually, really I quickly? So much, I was having so much fun. I, I didn't feel any pressure. 
I can't blame anybody for anything. It, I chose to do it, and you know the the bad thing is that you look back on it, and I left my family. But that's that, I mean I'm not the only one left. But we all left, and uh, if you wanted to be good and wanted to be big, you had to go to work. There was no contracts back then. Nobody guaranteed you money. I mean, even now the wrestlers at the WWE are wrestling 155 days a year if they're on a full schedule. Mm. Not nowhere near what I did or what we did all of us back then, but 155 days a year is a lot. How did you get out there if you were hurt? You, you went through it. I, I worked with a torn rotator cuff for over a year. What? Yeah, Rick. I tore him. I tore more. I, and I finally I got to the point where I couldn't take the pain anymore. Then I had one operated on, and I waited four years later to have the other one operated on. Mm. Was that from but lifting I, guys over I, your head? No. Um, one of them was Randy, Randy Savage jumped off the top rope on me. Macho Man. And did, by accident, his hip hit my rotator cuff and mm-hmm. tore it there. The other one was. Um, I can't remember going over the top rope backwards and all, but nobody's fault. Just, you know, wear and tear. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't one of those guys that was, I, I, I just was lucky. I, I'm as every, as I sit here right now and speak to you, I, I don't hurt anywhere. I'm not as flexible as I used to be, but I don't hurt anywhere. And I've got friends that, I mean, I just, I just, I just saw Hulk. I hate to throw his name in there, but, Hulk has had 11 back, back operations. Mm. His hips replaced, his knees replaced. I mean, I can't think of a guy in my time frame that doesn't have body uh, body part replacement. And Hip, yep. knee, shoulders. I mean, you, they, technology, they, they can replace anything. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah, and I had those four heart operations in seven weeks. That was that was frightening, but you know, by the time we got to the fourth one, <laughs> the bones are fine, but the heart not so good. Well, let's no. get to that. Let's get to that moment. No, they were playing playing my music. I walked into the heart. They didn't even put me in an anesthesia. They walked me in. I got to see where they were operating on me. I finally, <laughs> <laughs> they were playing my my theme. The nurse was like, "Oh Jesus." <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> well, at least somebody was was believing that you'd make it through. Well, let's talk about yeah. that moment. And mm-hmm. that was 2017, right? Mm-hmm. What happened? My, my intestine ruptured and um, total kidney failure, respiratory heart failure, pneumonia. And the worst part was I was septic. Oh. And that septic is the part that really can it tears your body Oh, it'll up. kill you right away. Yeah. So I was in so much pain and I don't remember it. Thank God. I don't remember. I like, I, I guess God enables you to, to walk away from some of the things that really do hurt. Um, but I don't remember the, any, any of it because they put me in a coma so fast, but I don't remember. Uh, my wife said, I just was screaming so loud in the emergency room that they, they couldn't give me enough local. They put me, they induced me in a, into a coma. Oh. And then I had a 5% chance to live. As a matter of fact, it's just, uh, it was the six year anniversary last week. Oh, congratulations, man. You yeah. are living proof I mean, that people can come back from, yeah. well, you say the dead. And be better. And hopefully be better and be a better person. 
That, that's what I'm clapping on. I mean, I just, I, I just woke up and I said to myself, I've got to tell everybody. First of all, I'm not mad at anybody anymore. I don't care what they've done to me. I'm not mad. And number two, to tell everybody that I love in my family that I loved them or my friends, no matter whether I was at a hunch with them or not. I just, mm. you just don't want to ever be in a place where you're not able to, like you just said, saying, seeing your family now. You want them to know every day how you feel about them, if, if you really do. Yeah, the near-death experience, people say, really changes your perspective on things. Wow, I, I swear. I, I tiptoed around for two years waiting to die. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I, I finally had a drink and it didn't kill me, so <laughs> I went back to full-time drinking. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, at which point you realize at certain points you would have 15 drinks a day. Oh God, more than that. That's, that, that's moderation. <laughs> After my son died, I would drink from nine 30 in the morning till 2 AM and a lot more than 14 drinks. Mm. <laughs> that may have been 14 beers before I started the alcohol. Tell us about <laughs> your son. Oh, the greatest. He would have been such a phenomenal wrestler at this stage of his life. Really? Yeah, he's the greatest kid in the world. <sighs> so sorry. That's the hardest thing to swallow. The surgery is nothing. That what I still can't get my head around. You know, world class athlete. Got everything going for him. So young, so young, yeah. 25 years old. Yes. Well, how do you fight through something like that and continue to just get up in the morning? Well, I didn't I didn't deal with it. I drank all day. And when you drink, you can deal with anything. You wake up, then it's you you don't allow yourself to feel the pain. Then you First of all, you, you blew because I was divorced. You know, he, I'm not going to blame his mother, but his mother's going to blame me. Does that make sense? Right. Because it was on my watch. And he had been with her, and he wanted to come stay with me. And I said, because I was taking him to WrestleMania to see his sister. And now, uh, Charlotte, my daughter, is wrestling now. And, yeah. Um, and I went and got him, and I I let him out of my sight for an hour and a half to go buy a couple pair of, you know, Air Jordan or some, you know, he liked, he liked those fancy tennis shoes. And two hours later, then I'm at Del Frisco's with my friend, and we're watching uh, Villanova, I think, play Carolina or somebody in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And he wasn't even drinking, and a bag of pills fell out of his pocket. So I picked them up and and uh, he said, I'm just going to go back home and lay down, relax, and get ready for tomorrow, Dad. And I thought, wow, God, this is amazing. He's not drinking nothing. And, um, and he was just drinking water. And I went back and oh, oh, Wendy, Wendy went back with him. And then Wendy wanted to get Tylenol from him and he wouldn't answer his door. So oh. she called me. I went right back over there and I opened uh Opened the door, and there he was, sitting propped up against the dresser, all screwed up again, which I've seen a thousand times. Hmm. 
And I've called the cops a thousand times, and they've come and taken him. Like, hell, he'd, be, he'd been helicoptered before. Wow. This was not, this was not in the same, same ambulance crew, same police department every time. Mm-hmm. And they had done enough so much to cover up it, making the news and stuff like that, trying to help me through it and help him, of course. And um, so I just decided that they use that expression you, know, that you let you have to let them bottom out. I could never let them bottom out. Yeah, well, that's, never, as a parent, I know, but that's all these. It's so easy for these therapists to say, "You let them bottom out, let them rock bottom." Cut and and I I couldn't do that. I because I didn't want to ever not be worried if something happened, not know where he was, which I had experienced. He and his mother and I. I mean, we wouldn't have made it in our marriage anyway. But when you're trying to trying to find your your child, and you can't find him for a week at a time. It's it's unbelievable. He would just disappear. And uh, anyway, getting back to to him, he just he was just the greatest kid in the world. And nobody in our family has done drugs, no money. I I don't even know how he got started on it. It just didn't make sense. Well, National champion wrestler uh, had a college scholarship to wrestle and decided not to, but the opportunity was there. You know, there's just so many things that run through your mind, but that's when we're talking about difficult things yeah. to go through. Well, well, I know. And, and I, I didn't mean to apply the hospital. No, no, no. I, I don't mean to stir up anything. No, you're not at all. I, I was just thinking about how lucky I am because I, that's been the pain. Yeah. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. But let's let's flip that narrative to your sustainability, your ability to still through six decades to have made it through wrestling. And I mean, I just love when you look at the whole world of wrestling, pro wrestling, what is the secret to building a great match? Um, Well, I think one of the most important ingredients is the chemistry between the two people. And they've got to, they've got to have decent chemistry and they can initially build off of um, or they'll get it with each other through having to wrestle each other a number of times. Right. I mean, it's like I, I, I look back and I Sasha Banks is one of my favorite. And she and my daughter remind me of me and Ricky Steamboat. We just had unbelievable chemistry. Well, we never, let, let's just be mean, clear here. The number of matches that you and Ricky Steamboat had against each other numbered in something yeah. like the low four figures. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it is. But we had, we had chemistry from day one. And, uh, um, you know, we were never like, yeah, we're really good friends, but we were never like, we didn't hang out around a lot of each other. You know, we just did our own thing. But when we got in the ring, we didn't talk about it. We just went out and did our thing. You didn't plan. And, and when Sasha and Ashley get in the ring, I mean, they just they 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 just owned the world. You yeah, know, everybody those, those, thinks it's all coordinated. I mean, I'm thinking about the late '80s when you and rival Terry Funk faced off on TBS, and Funk famously yeah. <laughs> suffocated yeah. you with a plastic bag. Um, yeah. Somebody that had to plan that, to bring the plastic was, bag. That, that was real, too. He was trying to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> he 
We almost lost TV. I was going to say TBS couldn't have been thrilled with that. Not at all. That was one of those uh, call on the fly. (laughs) Well, you know, that brings me sort of to the the physical toll, the body slams, double knee face breakers, the guillotine drop, the dragon screw leg whip, the diving arm breaker, tilt a whirl, head scissors takedown. I mean, there is there is a still photo from a WWE match between you and Shawn Michaels, who was known as the heartbreak kid. You were pushing, I think, 60 years old in the photo. Shawn's leg is totally extended. His heel is making contact in motion right under your chin. I'm assuming yeah. your head snapped back right after that. And I mean, even yeah. if there were some theatrics, that couldn't have tickled. No, I never tickled, but I, I was in that particular situation. I, to me, that's the most like, and I've had people tell me that's the most iconic part of any WrestleMania with that storyline. But Sean was such a great performer. Mm. He's the only guy in my entire life Except maybe Harley Race that ever told me to shut up and just listen to him in the ring. And <laughs> nobody ever talked to me like that. When did you first face off against Hulk Hogan? Um, we started wrestling each other in two thousand, in nineteen ninety two, but we never got that to have that big match. I don't right. know. What, heard a thousand different explanations. It didn't really matter because um, I got to wrestle him and. I think anybody that got to wrestle Hulk Hogan was lucky. Anybody that got to wrestle Steve Austin and The Rock. I mean, I've, I've, I'm the one guy that can say I've wrestled everybody. I even wrestled Andre in the some single matches, if you can believe that. Of course. How ridiculous is that? That's how far back you go. I mean, your feud uh, with Hulk, though, was an epic moneymaker, right? I mean, what makes a good yeah. angle, a feud or a storyline that brings in business? He was selling uh, vitamins and uh vitamins how do i say it he was selling vitamins and what else and i was selling rock and roll booze (laughs) women and sex (laughs) everything evil (laughs) (laughs) he was selling vitamins and milk there you go and drinking his milk (laughs) wrestling writer david Meltzer called it show i mean like it's a show is it it is yeah it is it's a show It's it's a very physical show but it's a show you called no, Roddy Piper people. the greatest bad guy in the history of the business. What earned Roddy that moniker? Because he he liked being bad, and he was a, he was a great bad guy. Uh, he was. I mean, I, I I can't say enough about Roddy Piper and his career. He just battled all odds. He started at a very young age. Mm-hmm. I I don't even know to this day as close as I was to him. I really don't even know much about his family. He left. Winnipeg at a very young age. We both started about the same time, but yeah, he was he was really good. Did he, you have to decide home. going into a match whether you were going to be the bad guy or the baby face? Which, by the way, is the wrestling wrestling term for good guy, right? Protagonist, baby face. You've been doing your homework, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a mile wide, but I'm only yeah. an inch deep. Let's just be yeah. clear. No, I, I like being the heel. I'm a much better heel than I am baby face. I'm a real good heel, dirtiest player in the game. <laughs> All right. I'm thinking about Trevor Dane's piece in Wrestler Inc. because it was so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels, who was the famed heartbreak kid versus the nature boy. WrestleMania, was it 24? Closing 24. in on, on 60 years of age. 
I guess you started at an angle where Vince McMahon decreed that the next singles match that you lost by pitfall or, or pratfall, I guess, or submission would be your last. I mean, yeah. that, of course, only electrifies fans and builds up the anticipation, right? right? Yeah, and I got to wrestle everybody going home, and they all these guys did the favor for me. I never got a chance to mention their names at the Hall of Fame. My speech ran so long. <laughs> 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 I don't know if you've heard about that, but I, if I, my career, I, I say thank you to a lot of people. <laughs> well, you're appreciative, and and they couldn't they couldn't start back up the music like they do at the Oscars, right? You would have just kept going or punching somebody in the face if they tried. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Let's talk about um, your alcoholism because you touched upon the fact that you would have a lot of drinks. At what point did you say, okay, I, I, I've got to get a hold of this? Because other wrestlers took pain pills to to mask the pain. I mean, we all saw the movie The Wrestler, right? I mean, it just – we understand that because it's mm-hmm. part of the drama that you get hurt. But that wasn't mm-hmm. your situation. You just liked having a great time, right, as I understand it? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm just – I don't drink – I was never in my whole life – Everybody knows that. I've never, um, I've never um, not, um, what am I trying to say? Um, I've never abused any kind of pain pills. I've never started cocaine or anything, but I've always enjoyed drinking. But I don't drink at home. I'm a, I'm a social drinker. Uh-huh. That makes sense? Yeah. I, I, I can't sit home and drink. I, I, I just like being with people. And I, that's been a, a good deal for me. It's also been a bad deal but at at no point has it been anything i'm ashamed of because it's not against the law no, of I mean? course not and and here's the thing it's funny and, and i think you'll understand this because you're obviously very intelligent but what is the difference if i'm drinking in a bar or i'm playing golf and drinking i don't know everybody my age Plays golf. I don't play golf. Do they drink when they play golf? Of course they do. Do they go to the clubhouse afterwards and play cards and drink? Yeah, of course they do. But they don't have a drinking problem. I do because I go to the bar. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> people mask it in many different ways, and it's very hypocritical. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I I, I, uh, I, I never, never late to work. Oh, is that is that yeah. your justification? Not either way. Yeah. I'm never late either. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> well, let's move on to a different kind of drink. And it, it's part of your life after wrestling. You have okay. launched the Woo Energy Drink. W-O-O. Yes. I, I counted there five O's. Yes. Uh, made with that's, seven that's, that's trademark. Seven different types of adaptogenetic? Yep. Genetic. Gen, yeah, I can't pronounce it either. <laughs> you can't pronounce it. You know Basically, functional mushrooms, not the ones that make you a, a little goofy, right? No, I mean, not at all. Tell me about this drink. It, it's absolutely amazing. And I. it's funny, I just, there's a chemist here in my building. Uh, it's a younger guy that came up to me and said, Jesus, who who, who created that mixture? And he could, I got him some. And I, I give it to a lot of people, to my friends that try and add. And, this guy said it's the most genius thing in the world. It, it mushrooms, in, is, you know, the, the 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 healthy ones, all they do is they, they keep they, they just make you alert. And and in this case, it if you like, if I drink one, uh, you know, sometimes too late at night, I'm just wide awake. I mean, I've, but there's no caffeine in it, right? 
a little bit, but not, nothing bad. Uh, I, I, I really am, am believing in, and I believe in Chad Bronstein and Aristotle and Adam and the whole group of people that have brought this to me and given me the opportunity to be part of it. it it's, it's, it's huge. And I, it's, um, it, it, it's going to, it's going to be, uh, we hope to replace everything. And we're going head up with everybody. Does it taste like mushrooms at all? No, it's it's so refreshing. It tastes like um, we've got three different flavors: the raspberry, strawberry, and um, pineapple. Mm. How's it selling? Um, I can't give you an account, but it's we've only been launched three weeks ago. We're maybe three and a half, and I I I could find out real quick, but I. I'd have to make a phone call. Well, good for you. I, I think that's great when, when people... So to answer your question, for, for, for the time it's out, it's been selling great. Oh, good. Yeah. We're right. going to be Launch. all over Ohio and Connecticut, and I think we're real close. I'm pretty safe in saying we're real close to signing with Circle K and 7-Eleven. So when those two things happen, it'll be... This will be another great interview for you on how I got so wealthy so, so at, at such an old age. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's never too late to make the money you might have made when you were younger. Yeah. I well, have I to ask you. I never made wrestling. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> <laughs> there is a famed steel cage death match that hasn't even happened yet that everybody's talking about. I mean, from what you can tell. Who has the best shot at winning, Mark Zuckerberg of Meta or Elon Musk of Tesla? You've heard about these two guys jawboning it and saying, "Eh, I'm going to fight. What do you think? Elon Musk. (laughs) Why? I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm just throwing the name out there because he gets a lot of attention. He, He seems awfully powerful. (laughs) <laughs> Mentally, he is, and maybe that's all it takes. But Zuck has been training for for quite some time in all kinds of mixed martial arts fighting. Oh yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that. So, oh yeah, yeah. Well, obviously it's Zuck, and then, but um, yeah, it's just amazing. I mean, the competition is it's, it's good to have competition everywhere there is, I and mean, I, I thrive on that. That's the one thing I so hard about in my life is that thrill of competing. Because even though it's choreographed, to me it was as real as as real as going out there when you're going to go out there on the last match every night yep. and try and follow some of the greatest wrestlers in the world having fantastic matches before you, you have to really be on your game sometimes to follow. And I that's how I made my living. Oh. So I competed with myself, but I competed to be on last because that's what everybody's dream was. Rick, talk to people who yeah. are listening right now who are in their chosen field, mm-hmm. maybe at the beginning or in the middle, and they're they're struggling a bit. What lesson did you learn from getting up every day and every night and continuing to wrestle, as you said, for three years straight at one point? What lessons could you impart to them to inspire them to keep fighting and to keep going? Well, you know, the one thing that I have to, I, I always tell people this. Number one, they have to like what they're doing. And I, I, I'm sure you can relate to that. Yes. If they don't like, if they don't like what they're doing, they're never going to be the best at it. But when they, they are doing something that they like, and it's just simply 
being tenacious enough and having, I mean, you just, you will, you, you will yourself to be in that position and you just don't want you, you play as fair as you can, but nobody plays fair that's on top anymore. <laughs> I don't mean that. I don't mean that literally, but I mean, people, they, 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 they go out of the way and they'll, they'll stab you in the back. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, look at the, the culture today. They're, they're your friend, and the minute you turn your back, they're saying something bad about you. We all experience that. Yes. I, I would just say find that groove. If you like what you're doing and you really want to be good at it, find that groove and don't let anybody touch you. Yeah, and don't give away the secrets <laughs> until you're ready to give it away. Amen. Oh, Rick, until thank you, you so much. Until you're ready much. to be number two, don't give away the secret. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for joining us, Thank Rick. Thank you. What a Thank pleasure. You. I mean, Thank right, you guys? Did he just give you a fabulous tagline, right? Don't ever give up. Be tenacious. I love that word, tenacious. Our thanks to Ric Flair, and my thanks as always to you guys. I think that's our first uh, pro wrestler that we've had (laughs) out of 227 episodes. Yes, we are still going strong, and it's all thanks to you guys. Thank you so much. I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on The Claim and Countdown. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 